Stroker, I need a Henny drinker, I need a weed smoker, not a garden snake, I need a King Cobra with a hook in it, I hope it lean over. He got some money, then that's where I'm headed. Pussy A1, just like his credit. He got a beard while I'm trying to wet it. I let him taste it, now he diabetic. I don't want to spit, I want to gulp, I want to gag, I want to choke. I want you to touch that little dangly thing that's swinging the back of my throat. You already know who it is, Ponkadalophile. Slack Charlton, Dirt Cobian, your heads up your Swiss Hemsworth, Oliver Sist, who the fuck is ready for Thursday Night Thunder? Let's get punkadelic. I heard that Melinda Gates killed Jeffrey Epstein in a row over 14 and a half bowls of Wuhan bat soup. And all I can tell you to do is look into it. There you fucking go. Sentences like that that keep this fucking podcast at the top of the people's podcast charts. Do not ask me where you can find those. I don't know. I'm not at liberty to, to divulge that information. Just take it as fucking red that we are at the top. Alright, first things first. The chocolate starfish is my man Fred Durst. And I just, I'm wondering, is anybody else in the same boat as me? Like, are, like, are you just fucking sick, sore and tired of hearing about people finding wedding rings in fucking ludicrous places? That meme that has been doing the rounds for years about the wedding ring that was lost doing the gardening. And then they pulled the fucking carrot harvest in that year. And there's the wedding ring sitting around the carrot. Now there's a brand new one has surfaced uh, doing the rounds this week. Somebody finds their wedding ring around a fish. A fish swam through it, got caught up in this wedding ring and was swimming about with it. So like, how the fuck did they find that? And also, I'm just I'm just tired of it. Like, my mate Ryan lost 45 euros worth of weed from Amsterdam in a petrol station on the Belfast Road in Newry. And absolutely nobody even helped us men look for that. This is a sick society with sick priorities, and that is inarguable. Fucking fine wedding rings all over the show, and nobody even helped us look for that fucking damn bag. Here is what happened to me the other day. I was buzzing around the house, stoned, as I want to do. And I was out on a back deck, and we've got like an old-ass wooden deck at the back of the house, and the sun was out, so like there's just a bunch of life around. Like we've got a hummingbird feeder and a regular bird feeder, and they're all specially fucking tooled up so that like, Big birds can't get in, so it's only the young, cute things that we're looking to have around. No pests, no bullshit, no fucking East Vancouver raccoons down here in south, in the south of the city. Thank you very much. None of that bullshit. Um, and just, you know, just got to keep the rats at a manageable level at all times in a major city like this. That's just all that can be done. There's no avoiding it. Like, So I come out onto the deck anyway. I'm looking into the corner of where the gate opens so you can get down the stairs. There's like a spider's web and there's something caught in it and it's like blowing around in, in a breeze. So it's caught my eye because it's like a golden colour. Like it's definitely, definitely glinting at me. It's caught my eye big time because it's like, you know, I know that there's nothing gold and glinting that should be fucking catching my eye like this in that corner. You know, that's a that's where the gate swings back. Like there's nothing there normally. So I was like, okay, what's going on here? So... 
Like I'm stoned as well. I can't underscore that enough. That's an important. That's an important to understand my emotional motivation going into this story. So it gets up real close on this mystery item, like right on top of it. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Whatever it is, it's just like I don't know. It was. I assumed it was like a piece of wrapper of something that was black and gold that flew off and got stuck in the spider's web. And I was like, all right, okay, whatever. You know, this does not really require my attention. But of course, then did require my attention there's no way i would have been able to just get away with a situation like this of course then what i assume to be an errant piece of fucking wrapper or foil immediately dissolves into millions of spiders that are all escaping slowly but surely out each taking one strand of the web so there are just spiders shooting out evenly spaced radially and just getting ever closer to the wood that constitutes my deck so mercifully i'm the right type of stone and i'm like okay two plus two is fucking four and there's nothing in the world that can convince me otherwise so i was like right just had to look at the lines of the matrix and put everything together very very quickly i was like okay i'm outside that means i've got limited resources but luckily enough my girlfriend leaves a fucking thing of insecticide outside for her outside plants because what are we growing at the minute strawberries and banana peppers anyway that's not important to the spider story what you need to know is that i fucking get this big yellow fucking spray gun full of miticide and i wipe the fuck out of three generations of this bastard fucking spider family before even one of these little fucking babies has escaped from the web they're all still in place and i am just there's just corpses everywhere here now and even notice as i'm fucking spraying and i'm not letting up for a long time here i'm just like these guys probably aren't going to do any harm but they don't pay any fucking rent either like you know what i'm saying so these are this so they had to die that was essentially it so i noticed then as I'm pop, 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 and all, all up and over the babies, I uh, sort of peer over the fucking, over the web, and I can see lying behind, on a part of the deck a little bit further back, the mum's big, dead, grey corpse, she's obviously fucking, giving all of her fucking strength, to birth these babies, but I was just like, oh hell no, not up in here, so, uh, left them all there too, so hopefully any other fucking dirtbags, will be trying to get up in here, uh, will know that that, that, that is just not going to be happening, I hope that that will, Hope that that will send a very valuable lesson to the wasps and mosquitoes that fucking love to hang around Vancouver. Just the last thing you want to be dealing with is something that you assume to be a rapper turning into fucking billions of spiders right in front of your eyes. Absolutely fucking mortifying. So yeah, like, I'm just, I'm dying, and I don't know if anybody feels me on this one. Like, I don't even fucking eat cereal. But I'm so dying to get a bowl of the new Ghostbusters cereal, and I, I just... You know, my love for fucking the Ghostbusters franchise has never been matched by their ability to put out merchandise. Like, now that they're getting a gigantic budget Paul Rudd sequel, I think we're finally going to see... We're going to start seeing the Ghostbusters logo on stupid stuff, and I am totally here for it. Anything fucking related to it, I am on fucking board. It must be time for me to rewatch the first one, actually. That is awesome, and uh, I don't know. I just think that maybe having all four of the ghostbusters uh six inch posable action figures with uh proton packs and uh, maybe two of them with the slime guns the the goggles the pek epk 
the meters, the goggles, you know, so you can swap it out and all that there. And then obviously proton streams. I mean, I'm not buying them if they don't have the streams. And then I guess maybe you could talk about having an Ecto-1. I think it's also kind of cool that it might be more attainable uh, and a Playmobil Ecto-1 and all four Ghostbusters. Either way, when I am fucking back in the black, I'm in the market for something something cool. I have learned of the existence of a of an action figure warehouse like sort of like a GameStop trade-in style place also and um, which is just about an hour's drive outside Vancouver so I'm having fucking kittens to get out there and see if I can get maybe I don't know Ghostbusters I think might be the theme um maybe I round out my Game of Thrones dragon collection I mean I've only got one but it, you know it it uh, and uh, obviously Star Wars is cool but I do have a bunch of Star Wars shit so uh not really sure what sort of route we could go down there but I'm excited to get out there and see what the fuck is going on Earlier on today, I was on Instagram and I couldn't help laughing my ass off at the world's first ever LGBTQ Lego set. And, like, more power to them. This is fucking fantastic. Representation is is a powerful thing. But, like, it's the world's shittest Lego set is what it is. It's, like, six or seven, maybe eight minifigures in a diagonal line and they're all like one solid color everything is it's not like the skin is yellow and have clothes on this time it's just like they're all one color they're all just standing in a row and the background is the same so it's like a rainbow so i was just like mm, i don't know you could have like made a gay pride parade set or something i don't know i'm not telling lego or the gays how to do their fucking business i'm just saying if i was one of the gays in this instance and i was obsessed with lego and they put that heap of shit out in front of me i'd be like hey what the fuck's going on here but then i don't know maybe the gays don't buy lego right i don't know maybe this is all part of a ploy to fucking um piss them off and then hook them in and so then they'll be like well you just don't buy lego and then they'll all be like oh well, we fucking will then make something cool and so They'll knock out something lit like, um, I don't know, a Mean Girls Lego set or something. And then uh, we'll go from there. Uh, so, been listening to a fucking stellar album this week, ladies and gentlemen. And that is Corrosion of Conformity's Blind album. And this is like heavy metal written by motherfucking thugs. Sounds like Thin Lizzy taking meth in places. Like specifically on the track Dance of the Dead. Dance of the Death. I'm not sure, but harmonized guitars very very thin lizzy but um i think these guys are from new orleans louisiana direction so southern metal it's it's kind of a hard one to genre describe southern metal's good stoner rock's good but i believe that it predates uh chaos so it's just it's sort of blowing my mind that this so that this was out there at that sort of time and then it might also be classified as like sludge metal which is like a scene i don't really know anything about but like i've always sort of preferred this type of drinking southern metal to like the sort of mental illness southern metal that like i hate god and stuff be playing so um corrosion of conformity though are playing like southern and roll would that be a cool genre tag to give it is, is that fair enough it's stonery it's moderately doomy it definitely definitely reminds me of black sabbath in a lot of places uh what am i hearing a lot of on this record i'm hearing a lot of riffs a lot a lot of different riffs i'm hearing a lot of pinch harmonics in places Sometimes the vocals aren't great and that is not even to its detriment because there are certain places where Pepper Keenan's voice cracks or breaks. It just in the sort of way where you know it's like alright that doesn't sound you know whatever this fucking platonic ideal of perfect perfect that you have in your head might be but 
you can tell from the way that he strained it and broke it that he gave it his absolute all in the studio. So I think that that's absolutely commendable. Um, I'm hearing a lot of down-tuned chugging. Definitely, definitely a lot of that. I'm hearing like simple drum fills all over this album, but, you know, making their mark. I'm hearing uh, like the Black Sabbath style tempo change. I saw a great meme today where it was like the first half of a Black Sabbath tune. And it was like a black and white picture of a forest at nighttime, the full moon shining through the trees. And then it was like a second half of a Black Sabbath tune. And it was just a 70s, you know, disco checkerboard uh dance floor and it was like they grooving so it was like that's bang on and that kind of grooviness was is, is big on this corrosion of conformity record i had always heard that corrosion of conformity's big record was deliverance which is the follow-up to blind but i've heard deliverance a few times and it's in my eyes inferior to blind blind has really 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 taken me there is a gorgeous instrumental on it and as i say these guys sound like they're fucking on meth thugs Barely speak English, probably. The production is swampy and thick and heavy. And even though they're not playing the most notes, and they're probably not down-tuned to the lowest key that they could be in, you know, I don't think anything about them strives to be absolutely the heaviest. But the way the things all come together makes it the heaviest. And there's a song on this album called Vote With A Bullet, which has some of the grooviest dirtiest low string bend and riffage it's just fucking fantastic i cannot recommend that album to you enough um vote with a bullet a huge tune on it white noise is a great tune on it dance of the dead uh, the one before dance of the dead and um, there's another one called my eyes they are my eyes they are the eyes of god something along those lines um absolutely sick if you were looking for a great album to buy on vinyl to smoke dope to i would like i couldn't recommend this one enough this would be fucking top notch because you have that little instrumental as well about halfway through which is kind of like their version of planet caravan if i could be so bold and um yeah like i'm so taken with that song vote with a bullet it is fucking sick it is thugged out fucking southern metal and I fucking love it. That album is from 1991. And uh, that is Corrosion of Conformity's Blind. In case I didn't make that clear enough at the start. Okay. So now I would love to understand how I'm going to segue from this. So from talking about th- thugged out southern fucking metal. To talking about yak shaving. Okay. So let's get a definition here. Yak shaving refers to a task that leads you to perform another related task and so on and so on, all distracting you from your original goal. This is sometimes called going down the rabbit hole. Okay, however, there are billions of different definitions of this shit on fucking Urban Dictionary. So let's have a look at some of these right now. A word used to describe what happens when you are shaving a yak. What are they doing over there? Son, they are yak shaving. Okay, there's a straight-laced one. The process of removing hair from a yak using a traditional shaving method, typically involving a razor blade or another sharp tool, to scrape away hairs from the skin's surface. Where is Robbie today? Robbie is busy yak shaving. Interesting, I had forgotten that yak farmers had to worry about that at this time of year. Yeah, he really needed to shave his yaks. When the great yak comes to shave in your sink and leaves behind his shaving scum for you to find in the morning. 
Oh joy, merry yak shaving. The great yak has come up my toilet and left me his shaving scum. I ought to show this to all the kids at school. I'll finally be the cool kid. Yak shaving. When a female has so much pubic hair that you need a weed whacker. Damn, bitch, you finna need some yak shaving done. <laughs> that one was by Dan Drinks His Own Cum. Yak shaving. Shaving a beard gained while drinking an absurd quantity of yak. Sobering up, looking good. Yak shaving means shave that yak, quit every recreational drug and alcoholic beverage, and submit to me. Wow. That's one for the books right there. So, uh, yeah, that was fucking yak sugar. I was just like, what the fuck is going on? I don't understand half this meta shit that's going on in Urban Dictionary. Not at all. But we've also got here May 20th. Oh, is that today's date? Nice. 520. Still smoking. I thought we might go through a few more of these. Let's see. Uh, okay, what does dog shot mean? Hit from the back of the head. Some motherfucker dog shot me in a fight. Oh, that's not fun. Okay, well that went fucking nowhere. But there you all go. Uh, yak shaven for whatever reason is 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 a phrase that is out there. I also have to have to recommend to you guys. Couldn't get away without doing this tonight. But uh, the most recent episode of the Tim Dillon show was fucking biblical. He just goes on a rant about people working in America and how uh, and works out where the CEO of Arby's fast food restaurants came from. And he just keeps making this joke that this young man must have worked his way up from the fryers and all this BS and. It's just fucking excellent, and it's just, it's crazy. I heard of, I heard a number, I heard he's making 130 grand a month on Patreon. And it's like, holy fuck. I mean, like, he definitely deserves it. He definitely fucking works hard, and he's definitely, definitely funny, but Christ almighty, that's just a lot of fucking loot. And do you know what it is as well? He is fucking so in the right to call these fuck these fucking wallopers out. Do you remember last week we were on here and I was giving out about a politician in from America called Matt Gates, who's just about to get implicated in all this sex trafficking stuff about taking 17-year-olds across state boundaries and paying them for sex, right? So it gets even murkier the more you look into this. So here is, and here's the thing as well. We were talking about our favourite new Instagram page last week, which was the depths of Wikipedia. So they just posted about Matt Gates this week. Where do you hear this? If you needed more proof that we are living in a simulation, Matt Gates grew up in the home where Jim Carrey's character lived in the Truman Show. There's truly a Pandora's box of claims against this guy. The US congressman has been accused of creating a game where members of the Florida House got points for sleeping with aides, interns, lobbyists and married legislators. He also has damning Venmo receipts to his name suggesting that he paid a 17-year-old girl for sex and to travel with him. I lost track of the number of people who reported that he showed them naked pictures of women he knew, showing these pictures at a wedding, on the house floor. Gates vehemently denies everything and has launched a fundraising campaign sending emails saying that the left is coming for me. On Monday, his associate, Joel Greenberg, pled guilty to six felony counts. Greenberg's lawyer warned that Gates shouldn't feel very comfortable. So the plot fucking thickens. So this guy is just up to no fucking good on the fucking taxpayer's dollar. So here we go. Here is another little article that I found on Instagram. The headline of this article is uh, Republican Matt Gates or Representative Matt Gates snorted cocaine with escort who had no show government job. So he's getting his fucking her's jobs now 
I just like when Republic when Matt Gates attended the 2019 GOP fundraiser in Orlando, his date that night was someone he knew well, a paid escort and amateur Instagram model who led a cocaine fuel party after the event, according to two witnesses. The Florida congressman's one-time wingman Joel Greenberg will identify that escort to investigators as one of more than 15 young women Gates paid for sex, according to a source familiar with the investigation. Like, this dude is just taking being from Florida way too fucking far. Like, this is exactly what I'd expect a Florida senator, or, well, maybe he's not a senator, but, like, representative to be at. But what distinguishes this woman, Megan Zalonka, I mean, she even has a hooker's name, Jesus, is that she turned her relationship with Greenberg into a taxpayer-funded no-show job that earned her an estimated seven grand to seventeen and a half grand a year, according to three sources and corresponding government records obtained by the Daily Beast. On December 26, 2019, Gates attended the Trump Defender Gala fundraiser as the featured speaker at the Westgate Lake Resort in Orlando. Two witnesses present recalled friends reconvening at Gates' hotel room for an after-party where Zalonka prepared lines of coke on the bathroom counter. One of those witnesses distinctly remembers Zalonka pulling the drugs out of her makeup bag, rolling a bill of cash and joining Gates in, sh- in snorting the cocaine. While the Daily Beast could not confirm that Gates and Zalonka had sex that night, wow, I'll bet they couldn't, two sources said the pair had an ongoing financial relationship in exchange for sex. She was just one of the many pieces of arm candy he had, said one source familiar with the encounters between Gates and Zalonka. So he just has, like, hookers on retainer. The congressman who has declared that he never paid for sex, yeah, the taxpayers fucking paid for it, wrote off the stay at the hotel as a campaign expense with his donors picking up the tab. Yeah, I bet you there's like a fucking, I don't know, there's something real snarky on that fucking bill being like, uh, after dinner refreshments, 50, 50 bucks a gram. The US Secret Service, which initiated the Greenberg investigation over allegations that Greenberg used county resources to mine Bitcoin. So what are these cons not up to? Would not comment on the ongoing probe. Federal prosecutors with the Middle District of Florida would not say if investigators have questions Alonka. Greenberg's attorney declined comment, citing attorney-client privilege. Gates did not respond for comment. Funny that. Uh, However, his hired public relations firm did issue this statement. Congressman Gates won't be commenting on whether he dated or didn't date specific women. The privacy of women living private lives should be protected. The president of that firm did not address questions about Coke, the party, or the fundraiser. After repeated messages to Zelanka over the last five weeks, her attorney told the Daily Beast on Thursday night, that she is not speaking to any media outlet. Mark J. O'Brien, a criminal defence lawyer, said the allegations were not accurate but would not elaborate further. He did not respond to a list of detailed questions about the fundraiser party, Zalonka's county contract or her relationships with Greenberg and the congressman. So it's just like, come on, what do we think happened here? Like, this party just sounds too well documented for it to not have happened and... Are we all really, really, really that fucking stupid? I mean, I guess they are in America. I guess they are in Florida. But from the outside looking in, if you're willing to give that cunt the benefit of the doubt, then I have about three fucking bridges, absolutely beautiful, and going at rock bottom prices too. And you should probably come take a look at them. Right up your street could really tie your place together, I think. Okay, so now next up, I have a random Instagram link and the comment I've written for myself just says, what the fuck is the point? Um, oh yeah so it's this one balloon so it's by kcbc beer there are some sort of brewing collective hipsters like total beer hipsters don't know if it's california or new york but i'm just so 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 positive it's one or the other 
So what this guy's doing is he's got two cans um, and he's holding them against each other and he's shotgunning the bottom one but he's also opened the top one and it's pouring out of a hole in the bottom of the top can into a hole made in the top of the bottom can and it's just like making all these holes like this just seems like a lot of work just shotgun them both and it's like uh, Williams F- Williamsburg Waterfall Edition Logger Appreciation Day and it's like no you don't just get to call something the Williamsburg Waterfall that's the fucking wallopers waterfall that's what that fucking is don't ever let me catch you doing this shit again because some of your beer looks like it has a lot of promise so just don't just stop i was wondering could anybody relate to this as well so i one time uh, was watching a movie called from dusk till dawn really 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 legendary cult movie robert rodriguez from 1986 from a script that was originally penned by quentin tarantino but heavily revised so that he's only then credited with a story credit story by quentin tarantino uh, but he does also star in the movie, so very, very much a collaboration between Tarantino and Rodriguez. Rodriguez just um, just after making his name with uh, Desperado. So, exciting time for movie making for both of them. Tarantino coming off the back of Pulp Fiction. Um, George Clooney is the star. Starts out as a really, really, really hard-boiled crime drama, okay? So I'm watching this with my girlfriend. We're watching them as they're going into the store, and there's the store stick up, and it blows up, and then they get out, and they have the hostage anyway uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie and i do recommend you do see it so skip forward a little bit right now but um yeah skip ahead if you didn't skip ahead there when i said right now skip ahead now in three two one about halfway through the movie when they get to a bar called the teddy twister the all the doors and windows get locked and then it turns out that everybody in the bar is vampires and then it just goes off from there into an orgy of vampire slaying and over-the-top violence and destruction that is just totally fucking gonzo, totally Tarantino, totally Robert Rodriguez, off the charts, 10 out of 10. Fantastic soundtrack also as well. Um, Tito and the Tarantulas providing some of their fucking finest work. Uh, Cucarachas in a Hadas, which I believe is the Spanish for Angry Cockroaches, being one of their big, big songs from the soundtrack there. But anyway... We were watching the show, and my girlfriend was getting really into it. And she doesn't does like as a rule does not like the type of movies that I like. You know, she's currently in the living room binge watching CSI, like modern CSI with Ted Danson in it. So, um, you know, we are of different but distinct tastes. Well, at the point where From Dusk Till Dawn switches from being hard boiled crime movie to OTT vampire slaying nerd fest my girlfriend just literally burst into tears and goes it's so stupid and just bounced and i was just like i didn't even know you had the option to just burst into tears if you didn't like how a movie was going and i think she had just been so stunned that she'd actually been enjoying watching a movie with me so much and then to have the rug yanked out from underneath her so unceremoniously was just entirely too much for her psyche to handle. So I was just wondering if that, uh, if any other movie had had that effect on anybody else. Um, you can let me know, of course. So I have a very favourite new TV show. It is called The American Barbecue Showdown Throwdown, I think. It is called Something to Do with the America's Greatest Barbecuer. Or, I don't know, it's on Netflix. It's essentially the great American barbecue off. And it is just, like, complete trash, engineered fucking reality TV. 
the food and the cooking doesn't even look that fucking good on it. It's just all horseshit lip service to this. What I can only assume to be totally fabricated idea of barbecue that exists somewhere magical or somewhere that doesn't exist anymore where everybody talks with a Texan accent and everybody's welcome and everybody drinks iced tea and there's never any political problems whatsoever. So, you know as well as I do that Americans be talking shit about barbecue. Sometimes even it gets to you and you be talking shit about barbecue. Maybe there's a place that you particularly like. Maybe you just have heard an American talking so much shit about barbecue in a movie or a TV show that you decide to go and get some. And sometimes it's really, really great. There used to be a joint downtown in Gastown here that did brisket to beat the fucking band. Of course, COVID fucking cost us that. R.I.P. Peckinpah. But um, you know what I'm saying. They take it too fucking far down there without really bringing enough artistry to it to warrant the way they be going on about it so it's always the way with fucking getting suckered into a show like this it's just like wow i hate all of these people these people are all fucking terrible but i'm kind of interested in what i might be able to learn from this show but then of course i'm instantly just reduced to seeing who i hate the least so there are a number of key characters going into this show there is a girl called tina who's She's an old lady and her whole personality is that she wears a pearl necklace and she's like, and maybe pearl earrings, I'm not sure. And she's just like, she's just like somebody's granny that they've just turned loose down here. And, um, you know, there's like serious physical challenges and all to come up in the show. And she is just there being old as old and white and wearing pearls and doing very little else memorable. Um, there is... Rashid, who's a really tall, fucking soft-spoken black guy who is total cool and you just want to win it. There's Sylvie, who is like an, an aging black lady whose food just looks to beat the motherfucking band every single time. Takes no shit. And uh, I wish had a won it. And there's Big Fat Ashley, a white guy. Big Fat, uh, trust me, we'll be talking about Ashley as we move through this. Um, there's also uh, there's Boatwright. There's Shotgun. There's some of the hosts. The hosts of the show are all terrible as well. There's the bitch white lady judge. There's the everyman black dude judge who's just like, I don't know if he ever honestly brings anything to the table. But um, it's just like the judges are total, total dicks on it as well. There are so, so, so many times throughout this show that they just give the contestants absolutely nothing. You know, the contestant will be there and it's like, so I fucking made my own sausages. I got fucking, it's a mixture of pork and beef for the fucking 70-30 fat ratio. All flavoured with cumin seeds and fennel, just like the challenge asked for. That's sliced and fucking cast iron fried and then smoked, part smoked, then seared on a cast iron, then put into a sandwich with whatever else. And the judges are just like, like barely don't even say anything it's fucking wild um i missed the end of episode two and i was like i came back into the room and i asked my girlfriend what happened and total fucking emotional roller coaster she was like such and such totally fucked up their smoker reversed all the fucking thing you know so the thing went out so that's it temperatures dropping meat was fucking not gonna be tender it was gonna seize up total disaster that's the kind of fucking disaster on a cooking portion of a show that'll get me fucking watching. And then she was like, oh, but don't even worry about it because I missed the end of the episode. So I was like, who went home? Who went home? And she was like, they cancelled the evictions. I was like, oh my God. So like, far from being happy that I had missed something, I was like, so there's no stakes at all in this show. They can just do whatever they want. But anyway, like here's who went out first. This guy called Shotgun, right? 
real, real, real Louisiana dude, real fucking Southern. Just there to drink by the seams of things, just there to look like Mr. T and drink. And he got his marching orders in the first episode. He was serving ribs that were 20 degrees below what they were supposed to be cooked to and just like crazy shit. Next week, it was a guy called Boatwright who then we turned around and called Boat Wrong because he has had to go. And then I just don't know. I'm just also considering as well, like this whole idea of barbecue, like it all seems to be about rubs and, and spices and sides. And I'm just like, why is the main never just good enough by itself? Like, why does it need all this accoutrement? Why does it need to be all these giant combo platters where you get so much of everything else? I just have my suspicions that it's not quite all it is cracked up to be. Big fat Ashley, right? So he is one of the white dudes on the show. And I hate myself for looking at this guy's food so lustfully because he does look like he can really fucking throw down in the kitchen. But looks like he's never eaten a vegetable in his life. This man looks like barbecue is pushing him right to his fucking deathbed. And Ashley is actually in the competition to honour his dead friend, Big Worm, who I think I erroneously called on the podcast last week, Fat Worm. But I knew I was in the ballpark of a really, really, really bad nickname. So it was turned out that it was Big Worm. Um, he's there trying to honour his memory. Uh, Grubs is a white guy on the show who uh, has yellow teeth and a bandana. And he is just desperately trying not to have another heart attack. I think he's been told just to only eat white meat. So by about episode three, the challenge is beef ribs. Everybody got to cook beef ribs. And then Grubs is just like, oh my God, my heart. <laughs> um, And then, uh, like, I just have no idea what this horsey white bitch who is the, the judge of the show, what her day job could possibly be. She's just here having a fringe and a fucking beak nose, a hooked beak nose and wearing fucking denim shirts, denim on denim, and being catty and espousing opinions about barbecue, and it's like, well, sorry, who the fuck are you, and why the fuck should I care? It's nearly as bad as when Amanda Holton was announced as a judge on some fucking talent show, and it was just like, who, how dare she fucking judge anybody? But hey, this fucking one bitch, I swear to God, eh, she called that guy Grubs, so it was one week, it was the Tournament of Sandwiches, so there were three brackets, and the, and the, the contestants had to move through those, making three different sandwiches. Eh, she, to his face, like, standing across the table, he made it on the table and standing across from him after testing it, she called it roadkill. To his face. What a fucking cunt. If somebody ever called food that I made for them roadkill, they would be fucking wearing it. There's no doubt about it. Having said that, now she is a cunt and she does seem like the peak of entitlement and privilege and all of the other fucking shitty things that go along with white people down south in America. Um... But I did understand where she was coming from and that Grubbs adding tater tots to that sandwich was only ever going to go one way, okay? Listen, that is always, always, always a mistake. You never pre-do carbs on carbs, okay? Carbs on carbs is the fat man's game to play at home, at his own discretion, out of sight, chip buddies all over my face and body, but never pre-constructed. It never goes right, okay? Chips on a pizza doesn't work fucking uh, fat sandwiches I don't know like you know sandwiches which also just have a full portion of fucking french fries in it or whatever I, I don't know you know I mean at home making it like the best absolutely the best accoutrement the side that you could have to uh, feed the fish and chips is white bread and butter yes but never pre-constructed so I just knew that this was going to cost this man big time 
And yeah, I call it absolutely right on that one. <laughs> Some of this is going to go all over the show because my notes are kind of written in stream of consciousness as I was watching the show over a couple of days. Yes, yeah, so then there was also a white horsey bet she was on the show. So then her and her and Grubbs got put down into the loser bracket. And then everybody had to make uh, for the last fucking round of the tournament of sandwiches a five layer sandwich. And it's just like, it's like the great barbecue bake off. Like that is so fucking dumb. How are you even fucking tasting half of that? That is just way, way, way too much. Why can't we just see if these cons can actually just do the fucking basics well? Yeah, then they're not going Burgers, hot dogs, and maybe if they want to fucking get real fancy about it, they can get involved with searing some of those things in a cast iron pan. That's the only way to get things where they need to be in terms of cooking meat these days. I am convinced. And uh, then just it's then all you have to do is get your accoutrement game on warp nine tip top magoo. So I don't know. It just doesn't even seem really to be that fucking difficult to me. So it was a great aside at one point. So at various parts of American barbecue throwdown showdown whenever the candidates are doing their challenge and it's normally just one challenge a week it'll be like one or two proteins and whatever many sides they'll normally fuck with the cooking setup somehow so some weeks it's like older style barbecue some weeks it's smoking and then uh, they'll get six hours to do it and then at the three hour mark the dreadful hosts and the two judges like i haven't even gotten to the hosts yet we'll get to them they're just fucking coat hangers like they're just like there's they're the worst people they bring nothing to the show if anything they take a lot away from it but there are these little asides where um the two dreadful hosts and the two judges are just sitting there while everything's going on in the background down by a barn and uh she's just like it's just such a fucking bitch she the white lady judge is just such a fucking bitch she can't even help herself so that one guy grubs who as i say is recovering from like four heart attacks and just trying to make nice fucking chicken salads um gets put through making beef ribs and the tournament of sandwiches and then whatever he's doing for one round then um he's making his own sausage and she she goes uh he's making his own sausages i mean what is wrong with a country sausage patty hello she's like what the fuck let the man make his own sausages if he wants relax this is a barbecue competition show. This is absolutely the time and the place to be doing fucking silly stuff like this. So it's absolutely fabulous then. In one episode, Big Fat Ashley freaks out and storms off. So it's like the the problem, the challenge in this episode, I believe this was maybe episode four or five, and it was strange meats. So uh, somebody had iguana, he had alligator, somebody else had like a fucking goat and whatever else was going on. So, he fucked something up. He fucking reduced his stew down too far so there wasn't enough liquid left in it. So, he fucking threw down his hat and he was like, Oh, I'm bailing out. And then fucking throws a fucking tantrum and is fucking walking across. And they're like, Oh, come back. And he's like, My stew's burnt. My gator sucks. There's no point. And it's just like, Look at this fucking man go. And then Rashid, the big black guy that I wanted to win it, takes off after him tries to convince him to come back for his dead friend and i don't know he comes back and all but it's just a fucking laugh watching a grown man throw a fucking temper tantrum it wasn't even a tender temper tantrum it was just sad it was just like the man has no self-esteem whatsoever the slightest mistake and he completely folded and it was just like get out of here like rashid or sylvie's gonna win this competition you fucking white folk don't even know what's going on down there i honestly just thought it was a two-horse race the entire way Sorry also, by the way, if I am spoiling the intricate plot of American Barbecue Showdown Throwdown Cooking Competition Best Time Good Show. But 
it just had my attention. So we're kind of talking about it. So anyway, yes. So at one, so at the end of that episode, where after Rashid had fucking taken time out of his cook to go and chase down big fat Ashley and bring him back, talking about his dead mate, fat worm, big big worm, big fat worm. I don't know. Then uh, she he serves up. I think he got rabbit as his weird meat. So he served up rabbit stew with dumplings, and the white bitch was eating dumplings, and she was like, Rashid, these dumplings. are delicious but she was just doing that thing where she, it's just like like these shows just are so devoid of ideas making people wait momentarily for their feedback is about all they can do to inject a tiny little bit of drama into it to just even approximate making it entertaining and i was like if you fucking sass rashid's dumplings i am coming for you it is on fucking site don't even try it but then she was and like the fucking whatever however long it took but probably all of this happened in my head in the space of less than five seconds. But I was just like, she better not sass my fucking boy. She better not sass his fucking rabbit stew and dumplings. I will not be having that shit. So then also, what the fuck is a scuppernong? That's what I'm hearing all the time in this show. Scuppernongs. And I was like, I'm looking around. And they're like looking at these fucking vegetables. I'm like, a scuppernong? Like some white person named that, didn't it? That's a fucking gird. That's a gird, you stupid bitch. Scuppernongs. There's about eight fucking syllables in there that don't need to be in there. At about episode six, it started to get real fucking serious, right? So, it was a different theme each episode moving up. And at the halfway point in each episode, they'll throw in an extra challenge to fuck with them. So, and they don't let on that this is happening. And they always act like, oh my god, not another challenge. Oh no, right? But it's never that hard. It's like, okay, so within the last three hours when you should be focusing on doing everything, you also have to, like, make a bread dish or make your own hot sauce it was at one point. Whatever. I'm just letting you know what the mechanics of this show are like, okay? I got intimately involved with this show, okay? I am an unemployed, amateur, moderately successful now podcaster, okay? We've had 500 plays. If you don't call that moderate success, what the fuck would you call it? Like, I don't know, okay? It's not nothing, all right? And I am... I have nothing else to hang my hat on this year, so... Let's just fucking go. So we're talking about American Barbecue Throwdown Showdown Good Time Show. Anyway, we get to episode like six and they team them up. I'm like, oh, this is really, really, really dirty. Because when we get to episode six, right, all that's left is fucking Tina Pearl Gonzalez, Big Fat Ashley and the ghost of his mate, Big Fat Dead Worm. And uh, Rashid, the cool black guy, Sylvie, the nice old black lady. And those two guys' food has looked the best throughout now in fairness ashley has looked like he can absolutely throw down in the cooking steaks but he's also so gross to look at and had that fucking pastos burnt my gator sucks moment which was just like not a great look for him anyway i was like oh they're gonna have to split the races here too they can't go black on white like that's just the optics of that of that are absolutely all wrong and we all know that the two black gays, right, including the youngest and strongest of the entire show, Rashid, who's a complete gentleman, uh, and then the two elderly fucking decrepit white people. So it just wouldn't have worked. So they teamed Rashid with Pearls and Big Fat Ashley with Sylvie. I was just like, well, Ashley's going to be fucking useless there. He fucking, so it was the episode after he tried to fucking go home 
And then I was like, oh, well, she'll be wearing the trousers there. And then he comes on in the talking head and he's like, I'm going to let Miss Sylvie do lead the way. And then the whole way through it, anytime she's trying to get him to do anything or make a decision, he's just like, well, whatever you think, you know, all that there, all that just fucking. And then halfway through this, then they all get their own individual challenge as well. So they have to be focusing on that. So with about 15 minutes to go to get the fucking team challenge out, he realizes his fucking solo contribution shit. And he tries to fucking bail out of the whole thing again, two episodes in a row, fucking crying and all. And she fucking loses it on him. Now, she doesn't lose it on him in the way that I thought that, um, that I thought that it might have been. But like, uh, when I was imagining her losing her shit in him, it was just like, fuck you, white boy, go home to your mama. You've been crying about your dead friend, big fat worm. That busted me dead worm now, homie. <laughs> but didn't quite go like that in the end. But um, she just absolutely roared at him and fucking corralled him into position. And uh, I don't think that, I still think that Rashid and Pearls won that episode. But then um, big fat Ashley was sent packing then. It was just like, course course i mean he had to you know but i uh, look an enjoyable entertaining fucking barbecue cooking show um with awful people in it some nice people in it some awful people in it uh, the white lady judge called big fat ashley a pit bitch at one point and it was all like blanked out and bleeped out and all and i was just like who are you to be calling anyone a bitch at one point the lady with the pearls as well was putting a goat on a rack to cook and then she was giving it a name um and then somebody also at one point said this quote it's one of the last true arts that remains the same. And it's just like, oh, okay, sure. I mean, if that isn't overstating it, then what the fuck is? Well, look, we won't spoil we won't spoil any more of that, but that is an enjoyable fucking program. So then, watching the white lady bitch can't judge from that show with the fucking hook nose, I don't know why this sent me off on this road, but then I was like, it just put me in mind of, it's like, you know, when white women like that are, like, you know, rich and well-presented and they're just like, oh, I just believe in traditional values and barbecuing, just like my fucking grandma used to do. It's like, you know, these, like, these fucking immovable ideologues are fucking problems in society. And then this put me on to thinking about, honestly, I learned about it years back in an episode of Casualty, a really, really, really bad medical drama uh set in the uk made in the uk bbc just not spent in the taxpayers do very well at all really but uh long story very short there was a case on it one week where a mother was intentionally hurting her children to bring them in the hospital just so she the parent could get attention so i was like right hold on that's fucking interesting let's fucking look into that for the podcast so it turns out that they have a name for it and everything and um it's absolutely horrendous really 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 terrific like if anybody has mother issues like get out of here right now we are going into the fucking murkiest of waters with this one so the article is called uh beyond gypsy blanchard when mothers harm their kids for attention before her murder dd Dee Dee blanchard re- re- <sighs> this word fucked me right off and now i don't want to read any of this out and i've got about five this is the first paragraph of about five articles about this complicated fucking psychological syndrome but i said i was going to do this bit on a podcast and i'm not going to fucking bail out now nobody needs to know we can cut this out and it'll all be fine before her murder Dee Dee blanchard reveled in the world's pity nailed it 
By 2015, the 48-year-old mother from Missouri had managed to convince just about every make-a-wish-sized charity that her wheelchair-ridden daughter Gypsy Rose was dying of natural causes. This month, BuzzFeed published a detailed report of the 2015 murder, introducing readers to one of psychology's most controversial conditions. Munchausen syndrome by proxy, an extremely divisive syndrome that many consider to be one of the most dangerous forms of child abuse. Throughout her life, Blanchard fed Gypsy seizure medication, shaved her tiny head and confined the growing child to a wheelchair for years, all so that Gypsy would appear ill. Petite and toothless, Gypsy Rose was her mother's cash cow, so when the small, sickly girl emerged from her wheelchair to take knife-wielding selfies shortly before posting The Bitch Is Dead on Facebook, her actions begged the question, was the killing of Dee Dee Blanchard an act of self-defence from years of sadistic abuse or cold, premeditated murder? Children raised by mothers with Munchausen's by proxy lived through unfathomable abuse and manipulation. In 2003, Arizona mother Blanca Montano was caught on tape contaminating her infant daughter's IV with faecal matter. In 2009, former chemist Hope Ibarra drained her daughter's blood with a syringe and faked tests for cystic fibrosis. Just two years ago, Lacey Spears was convicted of murder in the second degree after slowly poisoning her five-year-old son with lethal amounts of salt. Read into that one. That's fucked. Um, people with Munchausen syndrome typically feign their own illnesses. Munchausen syndrome, by proxy, however, is when the caregiver, predominantly animal, adult females, animals, <laughs> adult females with a history of abuse, intentionally sickens their patient to maintain sympathy and attention. Gypsy Rose narrowly escaped her mother's torture by enlisting her boyfriend Nick Gojohn to stab her to death. <laughs> narrowly escaped is doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence, isn't it? Gypsy Rose narrowly escaped her mother's torture by enlisting her boyfriend Nick Gojohn to stab her to death, but other victims are not so lucky. Here, five other fascinating court cases have linked Munchausen's by proxy to intense sickness and even homicide. So we'll go down this road for a while here, because like we all know, we all know people like this sort of like I mean I guess because they present as so normal, we do all know people like this, but it's just one of the most messed up fucking things ever about the human brain, in my opinion. That like this is enough of a pattern where the brain just gets fucked up and needs attention so bad from doctors or hospitals that it'll hurt its own offspring it's just absolutely fucking freak out and it's just another one of those things that you just have to it's just another one of those fucking bits of darkness you just have to stir into and hope the fuck that it doesn't look back ever so here we go and then this also just because anybody that still runs a blog get out like um when mommy blogger, yeah, like mommy blogger, there we go. That's a despicable phrase, isn't it? Like, like we're all fucking mates here. I don't have to be polite about this bitch. Um, yeah, even before she fucking was hurting her kids, a mommy blogger, gross, fucking kill yourself. Um, oh, come and get a fucking discount on fucking huggies because I blogged about how fucking dry my tits are. Shut up. Um, when mommy blogger Lacey Spears was convicted for the murder of her beloved five-year-old son Garnet. Thousands of Spears' social media followers were absolutely shocked. For years prior, the young Kentucky mother had taken to the internet for support by documenting Garnet's various health struggles, 
including being named Garnet by a stupid bitch mother. Garnet. Garnet's not a name. Lacey exhaustively blogged, oh, I believe that word in that sentence, exhaustively blogged Garnet's medical journey, all the while hiding the one thing that was keeping him sick. Unbeknownst to Lacey's faithful supporters, she had been secretly poisoning the child with life-threatening doses of salt through a feeding tube. In the winter of 2014, Garnet passed away in a New York hospital from toxic amounts of sodium in his bloodstream. Detectives were sent to Spears' home where they discovered Garnet's medications tucked behind a large can of salt. It was then revealed that Spears had asked a neighbour to enter their home and dispose of Garnet's feeding bag. Feeding bag. Like that is not a word you want to apply to like your own child. Which was allegedly filled with the equivalent of 69 packets of salt. After a highly publicised two-week trial, Spears was sentenced to 20 years to life for second-degree murder. Prosecutors call her actions nothing short of torture, death by salt, poisoning is extremely painful, and Garnet spent his last days screaming in agony. The hospital room videos are disturbing. We will not be watching those. Don't worry, you are more than welcome to go and watch those. I am totally okay for watching those. Thank you. Um, spent his last days screaming in agony before the decision was made to take him off life support. The defence blamed the hospital for both the elevated levels of sodium in Garnet's blood. Well, those lawyers are total and utter complete pieces of shit for saying that too. That's disgraceful. Um, they're accusing them of medical malpractice then, basically, um, and subsequent death. Spears maintains her innocence. See, that's the coldest thing about this. Like, She fucking killed her own child with a feeding bag full of salt. Right? Let that sink in. I'll repeat that. She murdered her own child with a feeding bag full of salt. And he died screaming in pain of sodium poisoning. And she maintains that she is innocent. So the judge said that she has a mental illness that she refuses to acknowledge. Gross. Here we go. Wow, that's a fucking gross mugshot. Blanca Montano. This is going to be a bad one, isn't it? In 2011, 23-year-old Blanca Montano of Tucson, Arizona, was sentenced to 13 years in prison after allegedly infecting her hospitalized infant daughter with foreign bacteria, including fecal matter. Gross. Months before Montano's arrest, her two young children tested positive for E. coli, a dangerous bacteria found in human waste. While her eldest son had a normal recovery, Montano's seven-month-old daughter continued to fall suspiciously ill, contracting infection after infection. Over the girl's month-long hospital stay, doctors treated her for nine rare and unusual infections that placed her in intensive care. Determined to keep up the ruse, Montano demanded they administer a completely unnecessary bone marrow biopsy, which I might be mistaken, but that is incredibly painful. They have to drill right through the bone and extract the marrow, right? So, just a cunt on that level, much less taking this any further. Once the medical team realised they could be dealing with a case of Munchausen syndrome by proxy, a camera was installed in the infant's hospital room to monitor the mother's behaviour while she was alone with her. What they found was horrifying. Not only was Montano caught on tape contaminating the baby's IV by sticking it into her own mouth, but she brazenly acknowledged the camera as she attempted to cover its lens. According to a witness, Montano was seen throughout the hospital carrying syringes in her purse. The police alerted Child Protective Services, who quickly prohibited Montano from visiting her daughter in the Southern Arizona Hospital. 
As suspected, the little girl's health began to improve significantly. Montano continues to maintain her innocence while the prosecution argued she kept the child sick in an attempt to win back the attention of the baby's father. Mental. This is mental. Like. <sighs> but we go on because we're fucking hard lads and we can fucking handle it. We're not about to let a bunch of crazy bitches that are fucking cracking up and shiting down their daughter's IV tube scare us off getting in and dealing with the fucking darkness. No fucking way folks let's go hope ibarra what did she do let's go former chemist oh bad start bad start former chemist and mother of three hope ibarra had a flair for the dramatic she documented her very oh no rolling stones trying to advertise things to me cigarettes no uh, uh, uh. cigars now we're talking cigarettes uh-uh now, here we go. Former chemist and mother of three, Hope Ibarra, had a flair for fucking up sentences on his own podcast. Former chemist, for the third and final time, former chemist and mother of three, Hope Ibarra, had a flair for the dramatic. She documented her very public battle with cancer in detailed online updates that culminated in posts about picking out colours for her casket. Her bravery, inverted commas, after three bouts of cancer, made Ibarra the soft-spoken darling of local Texas news. The diagnosis was most devastating to her daughters, however... Hold on, I read this wrong. The diagnosis was most devastating to her daughters, however, who were made to believe that they were about to lose their mother. Their youngest daughter, born prematurely, had her own host of medical issues. But when Ibarra's lies began to unravel, first about her own health and then that of her children, suspicions arose that pulled out an endless thread of medical fraud and feigned diagnoses. Ibarra was never sick and neither was her youngest daughter, until Ibarra poisoned her with stolen pathogens that sent the child into anaphylactic shock. Later, the Fort Worth mother admitted to using nasal spray to alter the results of a sweat test for cystic fibrosis and draining her daughter's blood little by little with a syringe. There are many things I could have done that would have straight up killed her, played Ibarra after receiving a 10-year sentence for inflicting bodily injury on a child. Obviously, I was hurting her, but I wasn't trying to. No, I mean, you were trying to hurt her. I mean, if you had killed her, you could have said, I didn't mean to kill her. But, like, that's just such a weird thing to say. It's just like, you know, um, I just fucking, I don't know. I don't even think that it would be the healthiest thing ever for my mind to try and start to come up with fucking <laughs> allegories for that. Um, Upon further investigation, holes continue to appear in her daughter's medical history, including 30 to 40 unneeded hospital procedures, Ibarra eventually admitted that she wanted people to pay attention, a classic symptom of a person with Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Ibarra has been incarcerated at the Gatesville, Texas prison for nearly eight years and will become eligible for parole in 2019. Well, you know, she's coming out of there fucked up, let's be honest. Prison in Texas? Going in for fucking hurting your own child? I cannot see that being a good time. No way. So there is another case here, an older one, Mary Beth Tinning, who um, basically fucking kills eight out of nine of her own children at home. Um, absolutely insane. Ultimately confesses to smothering two of them and widely believes she killed all eight. Now in her 70s, unlikely in prison for the rest of her life. And then we get to a case from the UK, which rather than go ahead with this Rolling Stone article, I thought we would opt for a much more 
balanced and journalistic bastion of truth and justice. So I looked up when this came out on the Daily Mail. So we will go through that. Pictured at Children of Courage Awards, the mother who sent healthy son to school in wheelchair in six-year scam. Boy forced to wear sunglasses and hat in class. Increased son's blood sugar to suggest diabetes. Mother pocketed 130 grand in benefits. Of course, that's what the Daily Mail is up in arms about here. A mother who forced her young son into a wheelchair and gave him unnecessary drugs to win the sympathy of celebrities and donations from charities was jailed yesterday. Sadistic Linda Hayden Johnson even connected the boy, now eight, up to an oxygen tank as part of the pretense that he was seriously ill. Hayden Johnson was said to have revealed in the national media attention her son attracted. It led to meetings with members of the royal family and former Prime Minister Tony Blair. The mother of two from Brixham, Devon received free tickets to X Factor, thousands in cash donations and benefits, went on free cruises and successfully lobbied for her son to receive a National GMTV Bravery Award. But such was the 24-hour torture the boy faced that he became convinced he was chronically ill, Exeter Crown Court heard. Pros- Prosecutor McFarlane said the cruelty Hayden Johnson subjected her child to was lengthy and enduring. He added, The defendant organised, orchestrated and endured a regime of medical, physiological and psychological mistreatment amounting to 24-hour-a-day torture that touched on every aspect of his young, vulnerable life. As a result of her sadistic fabrication, the defendant achieved much publicity and national media attention. In total, she subjected him to 325 medical encounters, including inserting a feeding tube into his stomach under general anaesthetic, and claimed he suffered from illnesses including diabetes, food allergies, cerebral palsy, cystic fibrosis, and an intolerance to sunlight. Bullshit, you fat cunt. Forced him to go to school in a wheelchair, even though he was capable of running around with his friends, she also made him wear sunglasses to protect his eyes and a bright yellow and green hat so that he could pluck be plucked to safety in case of a school emergency. So this kid's just designed to get bullied. There's his bedroom. Star Wars fucking clothes on a hospital bed. That is sad as fuck. Medical oxygen tank beside it. Not great. She wore a green nurse's uniform at home because as because it's all about this bitch and her fucking having getting to wear a cute outfit in the house. Jesus Christ, this is disgusting. Uh, let's see. The child, the child was also subjected to a series of physical intrusions and interventions during his medical treatment. She increased his blood sugar levels so tests would back her view that he had diabetes. A long section about the benefits they received. He was seven when his mother was arrested after health professionals and school staff met and told police of their concerns. After an inquiry began, Hayden Johnson falsely said she had been raped near her home. But, just as the suspect was about to be arrested, she confessed it was one of many lies and later admitted charges of child cruelty and perverting the course of injustice over the rape claim. Police then went on to discover holiday videos of the boy on a cruise ship running around in his swimming trunks and eating hearty meals. Hayden Johnson's son and his sister now live happily with their father in another part of the country and are said to be really happy. The defendant and the father, a supermarket manager who is a stupid cunt, like, with the best will in the world did this man not ever suspect that something was going on and who marries a bird like this like she just seems to be totally fucking wackadoo like surely there were signs maybe his job at the supermarket managing the supermarket kept him so busy i do not know um says here she showed no emotion as she was jailed for 39 months 39 months doesn't really seem like a lot classic british fucking judge there are five adjectives which describe you cruel manipulative perverse disordered and pitiful yeah 
There is one noun that describes her. Can't. So I thought what we might do, which might be fun, is if we go into the comments of this article and go across to the worst rated tab. She looks nice. It's a very sad story. I hope she becomes better. Well, that's just about the worst take on the internet. Another immigrant trying to milk the system. Deport her now, I say. You mean she is one of us? Well, that is okay then. I get what you're saying, bro. What a callous, selfish, vile woman. I'm glad her lies were uncovered and her children taken away. Hopefully the son is young enough to be able to start afresh and forget most of his humiliating start in life. I hope she gets a really harsh punishment and made to repay all of the benefits she stole. <laughs> oh, like that was just like total virtue signal and like, oh, you hate the woman that was disgraceful and tortured her son. Yeah, of course. But don't think you're helping by fucking writing a comment about it. But um, yeah, don't forget to also mention about making sure she pays back that fucking, pays back those benefits. Fantasizing freak with no compassion for those people she hurt, especially her son. Well, thanks for that, John. That's a cracker of a comment right there. It seems the more elf and safety politically correctly our crazy ministers become and lecture us about daily passing ever more crazy laws to bully us with, the more we get crazy people just as this. No one dare confront this attention-seeking lunatic for fear of being sued at some stage in this ridiculous game. It wouldn't surprise me if her hyphenated surname also turns out to be a complete fabrication. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody is accusing the bitch of using a fake name, and if she was, I'm not certain that it outweighs the fucking not sure it outweighs the fucking abuse and munchausen's fucking syndrome by proxy okay so we're gonna go with one more story about fucking munchausen syndrome by proxy and then i'm gonna leave it there for you for this week because i think this has already gotten to be a long enough episode and uh, i don't really have too much to do for wallop or watch for this week so perhaps maybe in the morning i'll just record wallop or watch real quick and add it on and this actually will be a blockbuster episode um but this will be a nice creepy note to end on so um are you ready for this one troops okay so this is a so i was searching down munchausen syndrome by proxy on reddit to see if there was any more um i don't know i don't know why i was chasing this down so hard i mean it's gross and it's just so fucked up but it's just one of these things that are just like so fucked up that i just cannot look away from so um here we go. Last bit of fucking thing and then we're done with this fucking god-awful topic and we can move on to talking about fucking... I don't know. Well, what will we do next week? We'll talk about UFC or some shit next week. My illness was a long con beginning at around age 10. Mom took me to countless doctors, over-exaggerating symptoms they couldn't see until she finally found one who could give her what she wanted. A sickly child to become her new obsession and purpose. After some, after some initial prescriptions made me more hyperactive and irritable, shit got heavier until I was sedated 24-7. This lasted from late elementary school until I finally moved out at age 19. I spent those early years as an apathetic zombie who would succumb to my mom's every whim, just like she wanted. Mom was an insecure, nervous woman. She was incapable of being alone and married young. Dad gave her financial security. She was barely able to leave the house due to her extreme anxiety and she needed someone to take care of her. Living a boring, comfortable life was all she ever wanted. Not that the cunt was ever remotely comfortable with any aspect of her life, except for their pile of money and sympathy from their hypocritical church-going acquaintances. She didn't have friends. Yes, we kind of have that in common. Learning social skills after being tranquilized for my entire adolescence has been a slow learning curve. Dad was hardly any better. 
Emotionally and physically abusive, no wonder he chose mom. Dominant and controlling, she was his punching bag and I was the punching bag's pet. Sometimes I marvel at the fact that I'm living a normal happy life after my abusive childhood. Sure, my job as a cashier isn't exactly impressive, but it gave me the freedom I needed to move out of mom and dad's house. My apartment is shit, but at least I don't need to rely on them to pay the bills. There's no money left over after necessities, but for now that's okay. It's not like I do anything besides work anyway. I don't need to do much as long as I have my husband Dan. He is hands down the greatest thing that ever happened to me. The only person I've been truly close to. He knows everything about my story, about my history, and he completely accepts and cherishes me. After being surrounded by nothing but abuse for my entire life, I certainly don't take for granted the fact that I'm so genuinely in love. I feel it every morning when I wake up next to him, and I am the luckiest woman in the world to get to call him mine for life. Dan is so smart too. He's only a few classes away from finishing his psychology degree, and he has plans to get back to school and finish it sometime. We met at work, but he doesn't plan to stay at the grocery store forever. He wants to get his doctorate and help the people and help people so they never have to go through the type of abuse I faced. He's going to change so many lives, I just know it. Even though he's not an official psychologist yet, he's amazing at what he does. He helped me work through so many repressed memories. Without him, I never would have fully understood that my mother drugging me and creating an imaginary illness was a form of abuse, and it wasn't my fault. Now that the drug cocktail is lifted, it's like my brain is constantly making new connections. He helped me see that the suicide notes when I was 8 weren't a big deal. Lots of 9 year olds cut themselves and the stabbing incident in 5th grade was really blown out of proportion. It's not like I hit any of mom's vital organs or anything. They definitely freaked out when I killed the neighbourhood cat, but Dan says that's a sign of intelligence and that I should think about becoming a doctor or something. He really believes in me. Dan says my actions were a call for help to escape my abusive parents. I couldn't remember most of the abuse before, but through Dan's therapy techniques I'm recovering more memories all the time. Now I'm in a great place, best place I've ever been in my life, because I'm finally going to be free from them, tonight. Dan thinks it's the only way I'm going to be able to move on with my life. Mom, Dad and I aren't capable of happiness, happiness when we all exist in the same world. Really, I'm doing them a favour. I'm their sole heir and Dan and I will become multi-millionaires. He helped me devise a plan to make things look like an accident, and since he's so brilliant, I completely trust him. We're going to quit our jobs and travel the world before settling down and starting a family. He'll be a psychologist and I'll get to do whatever I want. He says his whole life will be devoted to making me happy. We can't wait long. I'll be 20 soon and I've delayed my chance at happiness long enough. I can't believe Dan and I have only known each other three months. It really seems like a lifetime. We eloped last night and Dan insists that we need to finish securing my freedom tonight. If we wait too long, our marriage will be poisoned by their existence. Time to go. Dan is getting anxious and says it needs to happen now. He's right, of course. He's always right. I trust him. After all, he loves me. So, full disclosure, that did come from a subreddit called No Sleep. So, not to say that that's definitely true, but probably that is how fucked up someone's head would be after all of that. Just very, very, very worrying that these things are all out there and, you know, but for the grace of God go I... You know, we don't have to, hopefully, touch on wood, none of us ever has to deal with any of this fucking BS, but good fucking God, just never, ever think that you are fucking safe, like. <sighs> so listen, we did have more things that I wanted to talk to you about. I want to talk to you guys about my new plans for accruing the new perfect set of uh, glasses and accoutrement for drinking whiskey in the house. We'll run down that next week. Cardi B's out here singing about fucking wireless access protocol. I want you to hit that little dangly thing on the back of the computer. Bitch, that's called a modem. 
Um, that's sort of just like a sentence that I've written, which is kind of funny, but I couldn't really, I don't know, like I couldn't work it into everything else. And then just seen the, just thought it'd be worth throwing in here at the very end because I was doing the WAP lyrics at the start. The rap lyrics at the start are here to stay. Um, Cardi B's was pretty simple, but I had really good time trying to fucking learn Nas's off by heart last week and, uh, failing obviously to learn it off by heart, but, um, needing to really, really practice it to, uh, actually get the rhythm down because, his flow is just like it's pretty much untouchable and it's just like little breaths and things and places that put it set that set certain lines off beat and you know it's just like things that like as a white person i'm simply not capable of understanding rhythm in this way um and also i don't know maybe we'll just have to upload a bonus episode about this but i really 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 want to do more fighting commentary um i really want to commentate that barbosa burgos fight from the weekend i thought burgos landed one of the best combinations i've ever seen in the mma he goes up the stairs and then lands both hooks to the body in a swing in motion like that's major fucking damage right there of course he did get ko'd the main event was a fucking classic the co-main event was fascinating also maybe not the best fight to commentate that one but um absolutely uh, the ufc is on fire right now it has been all year stellar event after stellar event without the specter of khabib at lightweight everything is open to play for and there's about six fighters there right now who could all beat each other on any given night so it's super fucking exciting um yeah that is fucking it you bunch of fucking dirt bags peace love punkadelic <laughs>